ladies and gentlemen, you have Opposing the Matrix here. And this is our first show in the year 2021. It is the 4th of January. Um, man, time marches on. Uh, getting close to the 6th. Six, six, I think the 6th is when they're supposed to start talking about all that um, that election stuff again. And, uh, well, we'll see what happens with all that. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. But um, I was I was talking to Brian. Brian's here. Um, hey, Brian. Hey, guys. Good deal. Good. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Hi. same here. Um, let's see. Uh, I have a, a parlor account, and um, I was going through it, and it said, um, "This." I just want to get you all worked up so that you're ready for the for the radio show, folks. And um, so there was this Kimberly Parker. She's the executive director of the uh, Central Outreach um, and Advocacy Center. And I guess it's a place down in uh, Fullerton, California. And it says here, um, one of the board members got wind that they thought that we're doing things not on the up and up. And it turns out that uh, the well, the article, I won't go into the article and read it, but it says Central OAAC uh, exec admits um, organization registers um Thousands of homeless to vote at the same address in Fullerton, California. Um, and if you don't know what's illegal about that, then we need not talk anymore about it. So, um, you, you know, you got to have a legal address to vote or to have a an ID so that you can vote. Well, you know, in a perfect world, in a in a country that's run under a constitution, you're supposed to. And um, so evidently that didn't happen. But in this you know, tell this following thing to all of your your liberal friends. <laughs> you know, I've been I've been talking for quite a while about the Twelfth Amendment and how um, this election was going to go down right down to the Twelfth Amendment uh, and Trump will get reelected. But um, so uh, you know, uh, Trump's got that lawyer, Jenna Ellis. Um, yeah, well, she I think she's the only woman that's on his team right now. Um, uh, anyway, she uh, she says that, or she's suggesting that Pence could uh, defer certifying the election and send requests to the state legislatures, um, and that would be the Twelfth Amendment. Uh, that would that's like the um, the nuclear option. If everything else fails, you you pull out the Twelfth Amendment and you say, you know, this, nothing's working out. Uh, we can't get a consensus here. Uh, there's been cheating. Nobody's addressing the cheating. Uh, there's been outright fraud and all this, and nobody's addressing it because all the judges are liberal. And so the Twelfth Amendment's going to come out. And the Twelfth Amendment, basically, what it is is um, uh, if a if a decision can't be made, then it's up to the states to make it. And they pick one representative out of every legislature of all 50 states, so there'd be 50 representatives. Um, this is my understanding anyway. And uh, so what happens is they come to Washington and they're asked to vote for president. And the good thing about this is that there's 35 Republican legislatures in the United States out of all the states. Uh, 35 of the legislatures are Republican or conservative, I should say. 
and uh, he'll be a shoe-in because 35 is definitely a two-thirds majority out of 50, and uh, or very close anyway, and uh, and Trump will be reelected. And and I bring that up tonight because um, there there's a bad moon on the rise, like Creedence Clearwater Revival sang, and um, it's it's going to get tough out there, folks, and. Um, uh, you, you need to be ready for it. We really do because, um, believe it or not, you know we always we always think that the liberals and the leftists are a bunch of idiots that don't like guns. Um, but there are a lot of leftists out there that do like guns and knew, know how to shoot them. And um, we we need to know how to protect ourselves because uh, you know they're going to be like Elmer Fudd uh, singing. Walking down the trail, singing, "A hunting we will go, a hunting we will go," you know, and um, yeah, maybe with the uh, the accent too, that'd be hilarious. But anyway, um, so this is going to happen, and I guarantee you, it's going to happen because the left isn't going to take this lying down. Okay, um, there's going to be a lot of rioting in the streets, and this is why I think one of the reasons why the Supreme Court didn't take it. Although, you know, Roberts does have his name on uh, Epstein's airline list. So he's visited that island before. Um, so that might be one of the reasons why he doesn't want to get involved. His handlers are telling him, don't, you know, don't let the court get involved in this. But anyway, um, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to get quite nasty out there for a little while. And um, if you don't think it's going to, then... Um, I ask you just to, to sit down, and if you're a praying person, you, you consult with uh, uh, the master of all the universe, the uh, the Lord God of Israel. And, uh, you know, we call him Yahweh, yod heh vav one of the two. You call him Lord if you're a Christian or, yeah, mostly Lord. And um, anyway, uh, you consult with him about it because I think he's going to confirm that uh that there's going to be a lot of nastiness going on, and um, uh, they're already shooting at some of the um, some of the people that are that are doing the vote counting and stuff like that. So, um, anyway, um, another couple of things I wanted to talk about real quick uh, is uh, they're starting really to put that COVID-19 vaccine out there, and um, some um, healthcare worker, I think it was up in Vancouver, Washington, actually had an allergic reaction to it and went into anaphylaxis. And thank God he was in a hospital working because they happened to get to him in time and they uh, they treated the anaphylaxis. If you don't know what that is, it's when your throat closes up and you're, you know, you, you can't breathe basically and, and you, you probably develop a very bad rash and and everything else, and um, a bad anaphylaxis is not a good thing. Um, and also, other people have been having um, problems with it too. They're uh, they're giving it to us at work. We're, we have a choice right now to take it or not. Um, however, you know the powers that be are, are trying to be pretty persuasive to get us to take it. And I basically told them that um, I'm not taking it as long as until my doctor says it's okay, which I know he's not going to. Um, because I already have shortness of breath still, and um, uh, one of the uh, the uh, side effects is shortness of breath. And uh, when you have shortness of breath, you don't want more of it. So I've expressed to my doctor in an email that uh, I am very concerned about this, and 
I don't want to make my condition worse than it is already. So I'm hoping he sides with me and uh, about this, and uh, we can just forget about this thing. But, um, you know, there, there are people out there that advocate for it. Uh, there's this, uh, I, I just recently got off of Facebook, by the way, so you won't find me there at all anywhere on Facebook. And if you do find me opposed in a Matrix site, it's only because I couldn't get in there and shut it down for some reason. I can't get in there. But um, uh, there, there are people that are on, you know, I, I know one lady at work got it. And she's talking about, oh, the only pain I've got is in my arm. Well, um, yeah, but her DNA hasn't been changed yet or it hasn't completed changing. And uh, uh, there's a good, um, you can look it up on, um, trying to see. Oh, there's a, a website called BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E, and it's a video site, and it's a lot like um, Rumble. It's a lot like uh, Band Video. And there's a lady on there called Professor Dolores Cahill, and she's explaining to people why the uh, people start dying after having the uh, mRNA vaccine because it actually they actually try to change your uh, your DNA. So uh, there there are just so many things coming at us at one time. Um, a lot of people uh, we really welcomed in uh, 2021 because they 2020 was such a terrible year for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons too it wasn't just the covid um it was just a very strange year it was um uh i don't know if if you're a spiritual minded person like brian and i you know you know that there was a lot of um things going on in the spiritual background that um uh different uh, entities from the other side are all jockeying into position to uh to try to to uh, make our lives either not alive anymore, or or to just make uh, make it hard for believers these days. And uh, and if you haven't been able to go to church, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, so there's there's a lot of stuff in play, and um, I know it seems uh, we know it seems a very to be very confusing, very perplexing, but um, just we just got to keep remembering that we're in God's hands. So um, tonight we're going to talk about something that's going to be controversial. I know it is, um, and I brought it up a little in a in a in a show I did probably about oh probably about a month ago, maybe more um, about uh, Christians carrying sidearms and Christians being uh, or believe I'm just going to say believers in Yeshua, okay, because they're messianics, and I'm kind of leaving them out when I say Christians, even though they are, <laughs> we are. Um, but um, anyway, uh, what do we do in, in a time like this, such as this? You know, when when our families could be threatened, and our uh, the the survival of the republic that we live in could be threatened. Um, do we go to war? Do we do we do nothing? Um, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot to think about, and um, so we're going to explore that tonight using both the um, uh, the Old Testament, which is we call the Tanakh, and the, and the New Testament, which is called the Brit Hadashah. Um, and there are there are examples, and and using reasoning with different things that have happened in Scripture, I think you'll see that um, maybe in 
if God leads you to, that you are sanctioned to, to do such a thing. And, and don't, don't turn the radio off now because we're going to try to reason this together. Okay. Um, Brian and I talked about this the other night and it's, it's a, it's a very interesting subject. And, um, you got to take what's on the surface of scripture and you got to dig deeper into it, uh, into meanings, into, uh, wordage and, and things like that. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll get into it. So, um, you know, myself, Brian, I, I've thought about this a lot cause there's a lot of family here, you know, and, and I got my sister down in California too. And, um, and I've told her several times that if things got bad, you know, she could uh, hightail it up here. But hightailing it up here might not be the answer <laughs> because yeah. I think it's just as bad as it is down there. Um, but um, so I, you know, I in that spirit, I, I was talking to Brian the other day and and I and I says, well, what's your opinion on this? You know, because. I've been getting um, some people that have been writing to me and saying, well, you know, as a Christian, we're only commanded to uh, to go out and preach the gospel and to and to die for our faith. Well, you know, there we we're going to look at some of that stuff tonight. OK. And uh, and, re- and hopefully you'll realize like we do that uh, it goes much deeper than that. It really does. Um you know, how do you, well, well, we'll get into it. But Brian, you, you know, what are you, let me know basically what your thoughts are, because I've kind of explained it a little, you know, in another show and, and just now. But um, if, uh, let, let's just say that, you know, that if, if, if your, your wife or your, your stepson were in imminent danger from a, a gang of thugs, you know, what, what would be your response, you know? Um, do you talk to them and hopefully persuade them to leave? Um, or are you prepared to do something else just in case that persuasion doesn't happen? Right. Well, this is a great topic. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading on it in the last few days, and I never really thought about it a lot until we talked about it. Uh, and it's obviously our country whether you want to admit it or not, is kind of heading that direction of a civil war. Uh, maybe not tomorrow, but if things keep going the way they're going, it definitely can happen. Uh, it does happen in the Bible. Uh, in Revelation, it talks about men or mankind killing each other in a massive civil war worldwide. And obviously it's happened in our history. It's happened in the past in world history. So, uh, as far as protecting our families, well, God has, has, has given us our families, and as men and as women, if you're a single mom or a single dad, you're responsible for your children and for your immediate family to clothe them and to protect them. So the New Testament really doesn't say clear one way or the other that I found. But I started looking in the Old Testament and you got to remember, when Jesus talks about turning the other cheek in Matthew, I think it's 23, I uh, could be wrong, but it's in Matthew, he doesn't mean, uh, and I always just thought, you turn the cheek if somebody smacks you in the face or 
or hit you or things like that. And that verse and those passages, it's talking about, it's say you're talking to somebody and they're offending you by their, what they're saying to you. You come back at them and start attacking them verbally. No, that passage is talking about Christians, about turning the other cheek. Don't get involved in a, a useless argument. Don't take uh, a, a something that is just not going to come out good. Just eat, eat, as they say, eat crow and just let the person speak. You don't have to agree with them. Uh, so you're turning the cheek. You're, you're not attacking them. You're not defending yourself. You're just backing away. That passage there is really talking about turning the other cheek and not for believers and Christians not to get involved in useless arguments and disagreements or even with a person that doesn't know the Lord in their heart. Just don't waste your time with people that are going to just take you down a road and that you're going to get all upset and angry over an argument that doesn't really mean anything in the long run. So in it, obviously, that passage, when you say you turn the cheek, you know, let him hit the other cheek, it's not talking about war. It's not talking about conflict, because I've had people, pacifist friends of mine in the past, use that scripture about war. We can't go to war. We're supposed to turn the cheek. Well, it doesn't say war. And that's one thing with the scriptures. It's really clear when it's clear. If it's not clear, you need to be careful on what you say is you think is clear. So uh, in saying that, uh, there's plenty of scriptures in the Old Testament, which during the time of Jesus, that was their Bible. The New Testament, folks, remember, it wasn't written until after the Lord went back home to, to be with the Father. So there's no, um, that was their Bible. The Old Testament, the Torah, and, and all the books there were their Bible and their scriptures. And when they quoted scriptures, it was always the Old as they say, Old Testament. Uh, and that goes for Paul, goes for Peter and Timothy and Jesus himself. But in the Old Testament, there's many places where Israel would fight against Judah. Uh, um, I, I looked a bunch up. There's several places where Israel was always come against one of the tribes, uh, David against Saul. Uh, those were kingdoms divided against each other. David was against Saul, but he didn't take his life, obviously, but he was against them. They were against each other. So there's precedence for a civil war. Is it or any kind of war, actually, but civil war? Is it scriptural to fight in it? Uh, like our own civil war uh, that we had not that many years ago, really, when you think about the time frame, uh, brother against brother, literally. Um, I hope it doesn't come to that. But God wants us to protect our families. And that I know for sure he wants us to do. Right. And he wants we're, – we're held and um, as leaders in our family, if you're male or female, a single mom or a single dad or a family with a husband and wife, you're, both parents are to protect their children at all costs, obviously. And so if somebody hits my wife in public – and there's nobody around, no police, I mean, not even police officer. I'm going to protect her. And every man out there hearing my voice, obviously, you would protect your wife and your children. Is that a sin? No, that's not a sin. It's definitely not a sin. And God doesn't say it is. There's nowhere in Scripture it says it's a sin to go to war. There's nowhere that I could see. Um, and I could be wrong, but I don't see that. So in saying that, 
what's happening in our country and in the world, uh, should believers stand up? Well, let's put it this way. Um, if believers didn't stand up, we wouldn't have a country in the first place. Our founding fathers, whether they were perfect or not, they were God-fearing men. Some of them were born-again believers. Some may not have been. We don't know their hearts, but we know they're God-fearing by their writings and what they wrote, and, and history tells us that. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, obviously, uh, after the founding fathers wrote um, you know, our Constitution, but at that time, if we wouldn't have wrote, if those our brothers and sisters in the past wouldn't have rose up against England and Europe, we would not have the United States of America today. Um, They rose up because they were being taxed. They were being uh, oppressed. Their liberties were being taken away. They were being taxed so much they couldn't even make a living. Uh, I mean, doesn't that kind of sound familiar, what's going on today? And so um, it's just uh, they finally had enough. And obviously, God allowed us to have the victory, so we have America today. Mm-hmm. Was that a sin for them? It doesn't say in the scriptures it is, but um, it does say uh, there are verses in Romans that say obey your governing authorities that God has put in in your place to keep the laws. But at the same time, he also says, to obey God's commandments and laws. Uh, That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. Right. And so where I draw the line and where believers and everybody's opinions is that is different, is with the lockdowns. Okay, in the beginning, I get it. You know, with the lockdowns, we didn't know much about the virus. Um, Nobody was scared. You know, how contagious, how bad is it? But now at this point, um, the churches should be meeting together. And why? Because it's we're commanded to in the scriptures as we see the day of the Lord approaching, which is the last days, which I believe we're living in, and many people believe that, not just myself, that we're not to forsake the assembling of the saints as some have gotten accustomed to. So even in their day, 2,000 years ago, people were missing church for whatever reason, but it wasn't a good reason far as God was concerned. And they got accustomed. They got used to staying home from church and going to the, to the synagogues and reading the Torah. And uh, they started staying home and, and neglecting their faith. And when you neglect the faith of the Lord and you become a lone wolf, you become weak. Because we're only strong as if we're together. We're only strong as a unit. We're called sheep for a reason. Sheep's only defense they they have is that they band together in a big group, and that's how they protect themselves. But when one sheep gets out of the herd, that's when they're getting taken out by the wolf. So in saying all this, we are commanded by the Lord to go to church. But when the state comes in and says, we can't go to church, or we can only have 10 people in a service, or we can't worship, or we can't sing, or if we sing, it has to be a mask on. I'm, I'm, I must be old-fashioned, but I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. Uh, and that's also our right as an American, the freedom of worship, not just the Scriptures. 
So um, that's where we need to draw the line. And so I'm saying all this because there's many things in the scriptures that aren't really plain and clear, but we put so much stock into them. Now, let me, I don't want to offend anybody here, but a good example is there's, there's no Sunday school mentioned in the Bible, but yet we, a lot of us have gone to Sunday school. I have when I was growing up. And it's a good thing. You need to learn the scriptures, and that's what we do in our churches. But it's not printed out in the Bible. Sunday school, go to Sunday school. But Jesus did go to the synagogue with his parents when he was 12, and it actually was teaching the adults. Everybody knows that passage. Right. So it's just, it's just that we're living in a really dark time, folks. And, Dave, it's just... Um, and it's going to get darker, and I'm not saying that to be um, – I guess it's negative, but I'm going by what the Bible says. The Bible says in Matthew 24 and different places that things are going to happen, and these things are going to increase that's going to happen. Wars, rumors of wars, and pestilence in various places and all these things. A lot of people know these passages, but what you need to understand is – these things will increase as it gets closer to the Lord's coming. And right. one of the things that's going to increase is the lawlessness. And we saw that with Antifa, with the marches and the riots. Total lawlessness without any regard to human life, no matter what race you are. And so this is where our country is going right now. And we need to really be praying that Trump is our president, continues to be our president, and that those two Senate seats in Georgia, that we win those. But even with all that said, and we do, if that happens, that's awesome. That's, that's what we want. Uh, we, need to be, we need to be ready to defend ourselves and to live in a society that may not be safe to live in. And the, the times of living that we've accompanied in the past may not be here much longer. And so we need to um, we need to just be really aware of our surroundings and be really um, attuned to what God is showing us because we're living in dark times. And is it is it scriptural to fight in war? David was a man of war, and God said David was a man after his own heart. Right. Joshua, the, the, the walls of Jericho a warrior, uh, Moses fought, Abraham fought, after, you know, I mean, yes, it's, I think if you go by the Old Testament, for sure, it's scriptural to fight in conflicts that, um, that, that protect your family, that come against what God wants you to do in the scriptures and what the Bible says. And the world was World War II, um, a, a righteous war, yeah, it was. We got attacked by the Japanese, obviously, but in in Europe, uh, the Germans were killing millions of Jews. It was a righteous war to go fight, and I think God honored that by giving us the victory in that. And I, it's just that um, people are so worried that um, oh, we can't fight as Christians. We we can't do this. We can't do that. Well, I want to remind my brothers and sisters that Jesus is coming back to this earth as a warrior on a white horse uh, with his eyes as fire. He's, he's, 
He's got a name written on him that no one knows. Uh, he's coming back to set this world right. He's not coming back as a as a uh, um, a lamb again. He's coming back as king to take possession of this world that he owns that that the father gave him, and we are his servants. We are his bride. We are his people, and um, he. He doesn't want us to cower in fear. He wants us to be, you know, uh, wise and and gentle as a dove. And uh, that means using common sense. We need to protect ourselves. We need to learn how to fire a gun. We need to have maybe some extra food in our house. And is is it scriptural for believers to do that? I think so. Sure. Uh, Joseph store, uh, uh, had the dreams and and. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, came to him and said, what do we do? Store up food. Built big vats, and they stored up food. They prepared for what was going to come. And so it's very scriptural to prepare, to store up food, to learn how to defend yourself. And uh, the more I looked at the scripture, the more I realized that um, civil war is a pretty common thing in the scriptures. It happened many times in Israel and other countries. And... uh, I don't want it to happen here. Um, I, I'm praying it doesn't. Right. But things keep going the way they're going, Dave. I, I think it could go that way. But obviously God could stop it in a heartbeat and everything could be calm for a while because he's the one that kind of holds everything together. He actually sure. does hold everything together. So, But um, um, I just... Uh, you know, I, it's just it's just what I'm watching on television with the election, with um, the covid and all these laws being passed. Um, the the clock is ticking for our time to be done on this planet and we all go home to be with the Lord. But until that time, we have to occupy. We have to protect our families. Um, um, I, I'd say. Turn the cheek. If somebody's making an accusation against you, don't get involved. If it's, it's just let it go. If don't right. get in big useless arguments about doctrine or about politics, let it go. But when somebody attacks your family, then you cannot let that go. Uh, you have right. to protect your family. You have to be wise in doing it. And uh, I don't see anywhere in Scripture it says don't go to war. It's in the in the New Testament. Um, and the Old Testament is all over the place. New now, it doesn't talk about it a lot. Just a few places. Revelation talks about uh, civil war. I think it's chapter 12. But um, it's this is a weird time to live in our country. And I think what God wants us to do is um, is live for him and seek him for the wisdom on how to go through this time. And one more thing I'll let, it, let it, it be done, Dave, is um, uh, where was it? It was in Georgia. Uh, I can't remember the city, but it was uh, – I read it online. I have it on my phone. But uh, evangelists – I don't know if you heard about this. Evangelists had a um, – came to a church and had a salvation uh, revival message. And 200 people, I think, in one night got saved in a small church. Wow. Most of them are kids between 13 and 18. And they're coming into the church 
bringing their drugs and laying them at the altar and putting their vapes at the altar and their cigarette and their pot, laying them at the altar and getting saved. Wow. And they're, le- they're walking out of the church, out on the street, pulling other kids in. And it's exploding so much so that the guy, uh, whoever, I can't remember, I, I should just read it to everybody. It's on my phone. But they have to get a tent and set up a tent because the church is too small now. <laughs> this started about a week ago. I love it. And it's in Georgia where all this politics is happening. God is happening. Yeah. Well, there's, so, I think they're, see, they're seeing politics failing them, politicians failing them. You know, this world is failing the younger generations, and they, they're looking for someone or something, and and they're and they're finding out that uh, you know that uh, hey that Christian kid that we always picked on in school never lost his cool, you know always said you know always came back around to want to hang out with us afterwards and even though we were real mean to him and stuff like that and maybe uh, if he's got that piece maybe we want that too huh? Yeah. I mean it could be could be a, a you know yeah. a catalyst. But, um, you know, there, there are many, what did the Lord say, um, when they asked them the, what the greatest commandments were, uh, <clears throat> love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So you ask yourself, well, who's my neighbor? Right. And I think they asked Jesus that too, and he was, he, that's when he gave the sermon about the, um, the uh, Samaritan that was beaten up on the side of the road, or the good Samaritan that um, that picked up the uh, the Jewish guy that got beat up on the side of the road and cared for him, and then uh, brought him uh, brought him to an inn, and then paid the innkeeper to take care of him. Um, and you know, so that was somebody that that guy never knew, that the Samaritan never knew. So you know, a neighbor isn't necessarily somebody that we know, although you know, in our modern culture, we we consider our neighbors to be, you know, in the house next door or in the cul-de-sac or or maybe if you live in a small town in your neighborhood or your if you live in a city in in your in that part of your neighborhood, you know, that those are your neighbors, but uh I think it goes a lot farther than that. And I you brought up World War 2, and I think that was a good analogy because um one thing that um that you know, a lot of people will, will always say, well, you know, why why do Jews always vote Democratic? Well, it's in the Torah that we're supposed to um, take care of the poor and the defenseless. And a lot of Jews have bought the, the lie that the Democrats really care about the poor and defenseless. So they, they see themselves more as altruistic. Um, and, and that's why they vote for the Democrats and, and it's a trap that, you know, they're stuck in right now. A lot of Jews are as well as, as, uh, oh. blacks and other minorities because they, they've been lied to. And, um, but, um, so these, um, everybody's our neighbor. And, and in the Torah, you know, in the Old Testament or the Tanakh, um, God is constantly trying to convince the people, you know, I, uh, well, if you look at, well, <laughs> Malachi, remember we used to say Malachi was the only, was the, uh, the only Italian prophet in the Bible. Um, <clears throat> God pronounced the judgment against the, uh, the, uh, the Jews of the time, um, because they were, 
you know, living a pretty good life, but they were ignoring the, the widow and the orphan. Now, the widow and the orphan, is it's a commandment in um, in the Torah that you must take care of the widow and the orphan. Um, when you when you glean your field, you were to leave the edges um, ungleaned, or, you know, you didn't uh, plow over your edges so that the poor and the orphan could come in and gather wheat on the edges of your field, you know. And, and part of the tithe... You know, nowadays the tithe goes to paying the pastor's rent and and uh, the the electric bill in the church and everything. But back in biblical times, it went to, it went to uh, feed the Levites and the priests because they had no inheritance and um, they had you know they didn't have any cities, they didn't have anything that the uh, the other tribes have had gotten. And um, in Malachi, actually, that's what God said. You know, He said He says, you know, you, you guys have you're fat, but you're you're really starving because you're you're not doing what I commanded you to do. I want I want you to feed the the widow and the orphan, the poor person, the the underdog, so to speak, you know, and uh, and also the uh, the foreigner that's with you, you know. Now I'm not talking about the the people that are coming over the border illegally, although you know an argument can be made for that, but um, I don't think it's a good one, but. Excuse me. Um, anyway, um, so we have to we have to remember that um, the Jews that were dying in World War II are really our neighbors. As a matter of fact, we probably have. Um, if you're a born again believer in Yeshua, uh, you probably have some Hebraic DNA, um, and uh, they're they're more like relatives than they are neighbors, because um, basically. Uh, the Gentile Christian Church drew out, uh, grew out of the Jewish Church, um, and, it, and I, th- I find it awful funny now that you know back then it was the Jews that didn't want the Gentiles in, now it's the Gentiles that don't want the Jews in. <laughs> um, it's kind of uh, been a reversal. But um, anyway, I was when you were talking, I was looking up, and there's a scripture in Luke uh, chapter 22. And this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's this is before the crucifixion, of course, and and uh, you know before he went and prayed and everything. And um, he said he said, um, and, and this is when Peter said, "I'll follow you no matter what." And it's you know so it starts out, and he said, "I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny me." knowing me deny knowing me and uh and then he says and i said and he said unto them i when i sent you out without purse meaning money or script meaning i think that meant scripture um or shoes and lacking anything and they said nothing he said then i then said he unto them but now he that hath a purse let him take it and likewise his script and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that it is written, um, uh, let me start again. For I say unto you, I'm reading King James, so forgive me, that this is written, must he be accomplished in me. And um, he was reckoned among the transgressors for the things uh, concerning me have an end. Okay. 
He says, then, then, they, then they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. So he was condoning them carrying swords, knowing full well that Peter was, well, I think he knew anyway, that Peter was going to cut off the ear of the servant, the high priest's servant. You know, and well, of course, a miracle occurred because he, he, you know, he put the ear back on and healed it. But uh, and and God received more glory for that. But uh, so he was he was condoning carrying a sword, and I think he was, you know, and I'm not saying that you know he was advocating violent overthrow of the Romans or war against the Romans. He was just saying, saying you know, you're you're going to need this for protection, you know. So if you can, you know. Get some of your money together and go out. It would be like a modern day. Go out and buy yourself a, a handgun. And, and you know, now I know that a lot of people are going to write me saying, "Well, he didn't say the handgun." And I, I know, but it's it's the same thing. We're, we're talking about weapons then and weapons now, um, and it's not for everybody, right? This this is not a commandment. First of all, it was to the disciples he was commanding this to, not to you and me, although. We are his people, so we can take it as a um, as a sanction for us to carry. Um, and you know, we hear stories all the time about how you know an armed gunman breaks into a church, and there just so happens to be a a police officer attending the church service, or um, a security guard, or or even somebody that the church hired, or if it's like our little church over here, there's always about seven or eight guys that are carrying guns in church. But um, And it's something that I've never seen before. And it was really hard for me to get used to. But I'm like, wow, I, I kind of feel protected. Um, it, uh, other than, you know, the protection of the Holy Spirit stuff. But um, uh, it was it was comforting to know that if anybody ever came in the back door of our church that uh, – they, I'm sure that we would try to talk to them and and say, you know, why don't you come up to the front, brother, because, you know, you, you really need salvation. You need the Lord. And then, you know, if anything came of that afterwards, uh, anything ill, then uh, then things would happen. But anyway, um, I, I, I get off on these little rabbit trails. Please forgive me. But um, so anyway, um, so who is our neighbor? Well, everybody's our neighbor, and especially the people that are down and out, the underdogs, the the widows and the orphans that we're supposed to be taking care of anyway. And, uh, and that's what the tithe is supposed to be used for. Okay, it's not necessarily to pay the pastor's, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, wages. Although you could argue that he's being a priest, but, you know, I counter that with what Yeshua said, that we're all priests and kings unto the Lord. So um, anyway, um, getting back to what I was talking about, um, I think it's um, important to remember that uh, that Jesus himself, Yeshua himself, said that, uh, you know, it's probably a good idea to carry a, a weapon with you, you know. Now, if you want to carry a knife, that's a different story, but I really don't want to get that hands-on with somebody. Um, so who is our neighbor? And I've always, now, I, I got some email, and, it, and and I love this brother because he's, there's a brother, and I'm not going to say his name on the air, but he always writes, and, and he expresses himself so succinctly and so wonderfully. And um, 
And he wrote the other day, you know, he, he said, you know, well, you know, the Lord's only commandments are that we go out and spread the gospel and, uh, and that we, um, we die for the faith. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth. He did say to do those two things, okay? But he also said to love your neighbor as yourself, okay? And, um, and that means to me protecting my neighbor. And like I said, there's, you know, there's family and then there's your neighbors around you. And then, um, and you, and you brought up World War II and the Jews and the, and the concentration camps. I'm really glad you brought that up because had we not entered the war, um, there's a good chance that the Germans with the technology that they were developing, and I think that our bombers and, and stuff really hampered them from doing that, but, um, I think that if they would have developed that technology, they probably would have gotten a nuclear weapons before we did. And, um, uh, they probably would have conquered England and Russia, and they probably would have put us on the next, uh, the next, the list for the next people to conquer. And, uh, there was a series on not too long ago where that happened, and I can't remember the name of it. It was on, um, one of the, the oddball networks, uh, where the Japanese and the Germans did win the war. And what it would, what it would be like. And it was a multi-dimensional thing, so that's when we watched it. We like stuff like that. But, um, anyway, uh, so, you know, yeah, we, we could have not gone into join the Brits and, uh, well, we had no choice really because when Japan bombed us, Germany declared war on us because the Germans honored their treaty with the Japanese. And, you know, who, whoever you hate, we hate. That's what a treaty is basically. Uh, or if you fight, we fight. So, um, the Germans were obligated to declare war on us. They, they, they declared war on us. And, um, but you know, if we had not gone in, they might have killed, they might have been able to track down every Jew in this world. Now, knowing the Lord, that would have ha- would not have happened. But um, but theoretically, it, it is possible. And uh, a third of the world's Jewry um, lived in, in the United States at the time. So, uh, you know, in my aspect, the way I look at it, I'm thankful that we honored our commitment in World War II uh, and, and did what we had to do. Uh, because if I had, would have been born under a Nazi, um, dictatorship here in the States, you know, I probably would have went to the gas chamber and I, my, my skin probably would have made up some little girl's lampshade somewhere, you know, in her bedroom or something. Cause that's what they did with human skin is they made lampshades out of it. We're talking about a very barbaric, um, uh, group of people, the Nazis, not, I'm not saying Germans, I'm saying the Nazis. And, um, you know, they were, they were hedonistic. They were probably some of the most evil people that lived on the face of the earth before and after and up until right now. Um, but, uh, you know, have we not done that? And, um, what if we would have decided not to give, uh, uh, Israel all those weapons in 1967? And in 1973 again, when uh, when the Arabs attacked them, well, there may have ceased to be in Israel at that time. I know there are a lot of replacement theologists out there going, yeah, that would have been wonderful. Well, you know, you'll have to answer the Lord someday for that. But anyway, um, it's so I don't see a problem with uh, 
Now, now, I tell this story, you know, and I've told it wrong before, so I want to make sure I get it right. But um, we had a, uh, a men's group that met, I think it was once a month, down in Sacramento when I lived down there. And um, while we were sitting around, we got on the subject of guns because, you know, we were, we were all a bunch of he-men, you know, and, and gun advocates, most of us anyway. And um, so one guy came out and said that he didn't believe in guns. And, you know, he was perfectly in his right to believe that, you know, if that's what's going on. Well, anyway, <clears throat> one of the brothers named Ed um, said, well, let me let me give you a hypothetical uh, situation. Tell me how you'd act. Um, you you come home and there's some guy and he's he's attacking your wife and he's got a gun to her head and he says, you know, I want you to give me all your money or I'm going to kill her. And you know that two feet away in a drawer you have a revolver. What would you do? And the guy looked at us with with an honest face, and he said, well, she's going to heaven anyway. And I went, oh, my goodness. You know, and like I said in, in previous times, I've told this story. Ed, Ed was about ready to go across the table. <laughs> we had to keep him back. Uh, you know, it was a Bible study, and we didn't want violence. But uh, and, and the consensus was, well, you know, first of all, you're single, so don't ever get married. And if you do, let your wife know that this is how you feel before you marry her, because she may not want you as a husband after she hears the way you think about things like this. But anyway, um, there were there were a lot of things in in, in the Torah um, that uh, that we don't do nowadays. You know, prophets that were false prophets got stoned to death. Adulterers got stoned to death and adulteresses got stoned to death and um you know, it, it, there are a lot of things where, you know, if we follow the Torah, my goodness, you know, there, you know, uh, that's why I, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for um, capital punishment. I see it as a deterrent. You know, I really do. And um, I always have. And it, in the past, it always was. <laughs> Although I don't know in our current society if it still is. But um, anyway, um uh, where a civil war is, is concerned. Now, if we look at our own civil war um, that we had back in the 1800s, it, it originally started over states' rights. Um, the federal government was getting kind of on the large side and it was dictating to the states and and some of the states didn't like it. But when you threw in the mixture of uh, the abolition of slavery, that's when the South, you know, who had all the slaves, um, decided to uh, leave the Union, and, and that's when the Civil War started. But uh, we often forget that over a half a million men died in that conflict, and um, that, uh, you know, they could have said, you know, hey, you know, we don't we don't believe in, in killing, and so, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to try to keep doing this. Um, you know, through through uh, passing new laws or trying to pass new laws in the Senate and, and in the House of Representatives and against slavery, well, that was never going to fly. Okay, that was not an option that was that was ever going to work because if you, <laughs> I don't know, Brian, I've I've worked for some employers that treat their employees like slaves, and uh, and if a person can get away with it, they'll do it. You know, so. 
Um, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's, it would have been an option to try to do it through through legislative uh, measures. And I'm sure I'm sure that that had happened, you know, way before the Civil War ever happened. But um, and then even after the Civil War, the the slaves that were once well, the people that were free that were once slaves never really had it, had equality, um, true equality. Um, I think our modern day is uh, uh, black Americans have uh, more equality than they've ever had. And uh, I think that, um, you know, if, if had they ch- the chance to go back in history and see what slavery was really about, that maybe people would be thankful. But, um, you know, I for I mean, for what they have, I mean, it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. And I think we're all finding that out. <laughs> Uh, because the government's trying to make us all into slaves, and uh, and they're doing a pretty good darn job of it. But um, I think that um, basically, uh, it uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of more instances in um, in the New Testament. Um, uh, you know, when Jesus told Peter to put his way his um, his sword away he says he said peter put your sword away because them that live by the sword die by the sword and, and that makes sense you know if, if you if you're at war now in modern times if you're carrying a gun and shooting at your enemy they're shooting at you right so there's a good chance you're going to die of lead poisoning but um it's um he didn't say don't carry he didn't say, Peter, don't carry that weapon because I don't want you carrying a sword ever. Because uh, later on, he tells them to sell the, to if they have possessions, sell them and buy a sword. So, um, you know, that's that would that would be turning Yeshua or Jesus into a hypocrite, and we know he's not one. He just basically, I think what he was saying in that that passage in Luke was that you know while I was with you, I protected you. You know, nobody could touch you. Nobody could, you know, come up to you and harm you with a sword or anything. I would have put an end to it right away. But I'm not going to be around anymore. And, you know, you're going to have to protect yourself. It's kind of like I kind of equate it to when, um, you know, my folks split up. And uh, my dad pulled me aside one day and he said, you know what? You're going to have to be the man of the family now, you know. And to me that I took that very seriously. And, um Basically, you know, in a way, it kind of robbed me of about four or five years of my my youth, but because um, uh, I took it so seriously. But um, you know, I he was telling me, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to be here to defend your sister and your mother, you know, because I'm not going to be here anymore. And that's a lot like what Yeshua was doing when he was telling them that, hey, uh, you might want to carry a sword for protection, okay. Um, now, if 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 you're, they tell you in, in in carry class when you when you go to carry class, you know that you try not to pull your weapon at all. You try to reason with people, but you know if a person's worked up or hopped up on drugs or something, there's there's no way to to really talk to them. Um, and you know, I mean, if they're spitting nails mad, you know it. It takes a lot, and it can be done because we do it at work all the time. But um, it's—I it, think it's 
they they said that what is that study said that something like excuse me pardon me about 75 to 80 percent of the time all you have to do is produce the weapon show them that you have a weapon and they'll they'll calm down and go away he said there's another 15 percent where you actually have to kind of point it at them and cock the hammer and that makes them go away he said it's only about five to seven percent of the time that you actually have to use it once you produce it so um if if we lived in roman times and um and uh you know somebody came to you and i were walking down the road brian let's say and and uh some guys came out and they wanted to rob us well if we didn't have swords with us you know we're fair game but if we pull the sword out you know they would think twice about wanting to rob us and they would they would go after somebody that was easier prey it's like a bully you know if a bully knows you're going to fight him he's going to go find somebody that won't fight him the bully um so for the most part carrying a weapon is um is is a deterrent it's a uh it produces fear in the other party, and they, they want to go away. Um, now, if we're talking about war and civil war or the civil disturbance or whatever, and uh, you remember that couple? Um, where were they? Were they down by you, the the ones that came out with the guns and stood by their house? Or was that down in – I think it was in Georgia, wasn't it, or somewhere? Um, I can't really remember. But you'll notice that. They stood out there with their guns, and although the crowd was out there, I mean, because he had like an, I think an AR-15, and and I think she had uh, like a Colt 45, and uh, yeah, yeah, the crowd stood out there, and they took pictures of them with the guns, but nobody molested them, nobody bothered them, so it was a deterrent, and. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, they were pointing the guns at people. Well, you know, if you point them up in the air, it's not really going to do any good. But if they see that maybe yeah, you mean business, you know, if, if they come any closer, then uh, that's that's another whole other thing right there. But um, anyway, I like you said, um, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a God that um, that led the Israelites into the land. And, you know, told them, and we know why he did this, but told them that when they entered certain cities that they were to kill every man, woman, child, and animal in the city. And we know that that's because they were probably tainted uh, with uh, with bad DNA, with uh, Nephilim DNA, and, and the animals in that city were probably uh, also uh, chimeras or chimeras and things like that. But... Um, so, you know, if he commanded that of the Israelites, you know, I think that in a, in a time of civil unrest or if they decide somebody decides to come and start killing Christians, you know, I'm, I'm going to fight myself. I'm going to fight till I'm out of bullets and then whatever happens, happens. Um, you know, if they try to harm, you know, my wife or or if they try to harm one of the kids or one of the grandkids, God help them. Um, you know, I, I, I will be there. And, um, but, uh, you know, as I, I'm, I'm not going to go out and seek people to shoot, you know, I'm not going to be a, 
a search and destroy mission, uh, you know, with a grudge. Um, but I'm going to be there to protect my loved ones and family and my neighbors. And uh, I know my neighbors feel the same way. Um, a, a few years ago, and I, you know, I, I tell stories over and over again, so folks, forgive me, okay? But um, sometimes I feel like my grandfather <laughs> or my, my stepfather who told the same joke every time we got on the phone. Um, but uh, uh, I uh, completely forgot what I was going to say now. But um, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm going to take care of my loved ones. And Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, uh, we, we had a problem, a little problem with crime around this area for a little while. And uh, we live out in the country and and we don't like that. And um, and the crime was coming from people that lived down in a town, probably about seven or eight miles to the east of here. And uh, and I, I I made a stupid comment on Facebook and I said, I said, you know, you mess with people, you might mess with the wrong people and don't don't mess around with an Italian from New Jersey. You know, and uh, somebody answered me right back and said, well, you know what, that's really nice. But, you know, there's people around here that are so good with rifles, they can take you out at, you know, 500 yards with a scope. So <laughs> you'd never know who they were or where they got you from. So, you know, you might want to kind of tone it down a little bit. And I took his advice and, and removed that thing off of there right away. But, um so we, you know, we, we live in an area here where we don't mess around. And, and uh, you know, one time I heard Antifa was going to come here, and that had to be a joke. Uh, and it was. They never showed up. But uh, <laughs> I'm kind of glad they didn't um, because it wouldn't have been pretty. And uh, But anyway, I'm doing a lot of the talking, Brian. I, I know that you've done a lot of studying for this. So, um I'm going to turn it over to you. So, um, you know, uh, man, there's a thousand questions I'd like to ask, but, um, but what else do you have? Well, you know, I, I just, there's so much, um, it's, it's just weird. We're in a time that we're actually talking about this topic. I never thought we would talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, but it needs to be talked about. People need to know. Um, so I was thinking about um, Jesus when he was being led to be crucified and the soldiers were beating him. They get, he didn't turn the other cheek when he got hit by the soldier. He, right. Jesus basically said to him, paraphrasing, why did you hit me? Right. He, he didn't want to be hit. He didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so Jesus was being beat. He didn't turn the other cheek. He actually said to them, why are you doing this? Why are you hurting me? what have I done? And we know the story. We know how it ended and, and praise the Lord. He's in heaven and going to come back for us. But he, even the son of God um, didn't turn the cheek at that moment. And I, I, I've done a, not a lot, but some reading uh, the church has been over church as a whole over the decades uh, has been pretty passive about war, you know, uh, not uh, turning the cheek and, um, not getting involved in conflict. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not going to mention the the church, but there's a major t- church in the world that turned its back on the Jews during World War II. Some of you might know who 
or what group I'm talking about. The Lutherans. I, yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, and so they they basically turned their back on the Jews and condoned what was happening in Germany, uh, not just by their words but by their actions. Right. Um, that's that's being passive to the extreme. Um, I say when you see it says in the scriptures when you see your brother in need and you have the opportunity to help that person and you don't you're in sin right i would say you see somebody getting beat up on the street and if you're able to help them without killing yourself you need to get in there and help them if somebody's attacking your family or attacking our country and we don't bear arms to protect our family or our country in my opinion that's a sin and i'm not saying that's just my opinion but God puts us in positions every day of our lives that we have to make small decisions about how we live for him. Is if, if we see something that's tempting, do we turn the channel? You know, there's always a decision every day in our life to be made on how we're to live. And that's um, how, how it is. That's just how life is. And, and uh, we're going to be judged and rewarded as Christians by those decisions one day before the throne. So um, with that being said, um, war or conflict, because it doesn't always have to be an all-out war, just conflict. It could be a, a neighbor against a neighbor. Like you mentioned, if, uh, Dave, that if a neighbor comes over and knocks my door down and it's going to hurt my family, am I going to turn the other cheek and say, yeah, no, of course not. Right. It's fight or flight kicks in, and obviously God made our body to do that on purpose. I'm going to fight, and if I'm trapped and there's no way out, you fight. And that's basically um, is a good point that I just thought of, is that we're pushed into a corner where we're losing our liberties of, uh, of America. I'm talking about Americans now, all of us, and they tell us, um, let's just say, I'll, I'll go a little I don't think this is radical. It's to say they pass a law that no one can have a Bible. You're caught with a Bible. It's jail. Mm -hmm. What do you do there? Do you obey your government? Do you obey the governor? Do you obey your mayor? Do you obey, do you obey the police to tell you? What do you do? What does God say? You're burning his word. Yeah. And you're burning his word. You're burning is literally you're taking what God has said and throwing it in the trash and burning it. Um, you got to that's when you say to yourself, I obey God more than man. And a perfect example, Jesus before Pilate and they're beating him and they're and the Pharisees are accusing him. And 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 they're saying, you know, they're basically given Pilate just basically gave Jesus every chance he could to deny who he said he was. Right. And Jesus says, no, who I say I am, I am. Who do you say you are? The king of the Jews? You are right in what you said about me. He he did not back down on who he is and who he who he is. Right. And that's a good example for us as believers. And just a little little side note for anybody out there, you don't know you don't have to know the Bible and have it memorized. You just need to know Jesus in your heart. Period. Right. And the Holy Spirit will show you what to do is right. You will know what is right and wrong when it comes to the right time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wants us to know the scriptures, obviously, 
But if you don't, that's not going to hold you back in your walk with the Lord far as what to do is right and wrong before God's eyes. And so this whole, not whole thing, but this movement of believers are just to be seen and not heard. Um, I, I bring in the lockdowns because so many churches are still locked down in L.A. County. And I think it was about a week ago, my sister from Northern California sent me an article that uh, that some of the churches in L.A. County, California, sued L.A. County about not having um, their services fully open. So they took it to the Supreme Court and they won. Right. And the Supreme Court said that the churches in L.A. County can open to full capacity. This is like a week or two ago. Right. And my sister sent me the article and the L.A. County agreed with them, which was kind of funny. They agreed with the Supreme Court. Well, <laughs> they had no choice. Exactly. And it's so um, my point is, I, I don't know every church down here, but I live down here. You know, you drive around your neighborhoods and you can kind of tell what's going on in your neighborhoods. Right. The churches aren't fully open. My, the church that I go to. Uh, still meets in a tent out in their parking lot, and their building holds a thousand. And they're meeting out in the parking lot. I haven't said anything to my pastor or my elders. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting to see, and nothing against them. I just, um, it's it's time. It's time to stand up for the Lord, and it's time to live. Living for God and living for the Lord as a Christian isn't just going to church every Sunday. We've done that for so many decades, and we've gotten soft, we, and me included. We're so used to going to church and so used to having Bible studies and four or five different things a week and youth groups. We took it for granted. Now it's kind of been taken from us. Actually, it has been taken from us, and we're being told how to worship our God. We're being told when we can meet to worship our God. And now it's time to say no, like like Moses said, let my people go so they can go out into the wilderness for a three-day journey and worship God on the mountain. Pharaoh said no, and God said yes, and we know who won that. That's right. And so, and so I'm saying is, and what's this got to do with civil war? It has everything to do with civil war. Before a physical civil war starts, a spiritual war starts first. Right. The spiritual war comes before the physical war. The physical war is a result of a spiritual conflict that you cannot see. And when people lose their moral compass, when people lose um, the grow cold in their heart for their God, that's a spiritual war going on in every man and woman and child in their heart. Then when physical, um, physical um, abuse from a government, a tyranny come upon you, you give in. Because right. you don't have anything to fight with. You're fighting with your flesh now. And you know what your flesh is full of? And this goes for me. It can happen to me. It happens to me. Fear, anxiety, worry. What are my neighbors going to think if I get arrested? What, what is my family going to think if I make this stand? And that's because the spiritual side of that person is weakened. And we, as a, as a nation of of believers, and there's millions of us here, many, tens of millions of believers in this country, and there's and not just that, but there's tens of millions of God-fearing good people that live here, and 
when you are afraid of the government more than you are God, then the government sneaks in and starts taking our liberties. And then what happens, eventually we wake up and we fight back. Hopefully not physically, spiritually, praying is, is the best way. Uh, political is a good way. But eventually pushed into a corner, every culture, every nation that's ever been on this earth, that's ever been oppressed, eventually that government collapses from the inside because mm-hmm. the people won't take it anymore. Right. And they rise up. And there was a story, I'm not sure how accurate it was, but it was during the Cold War, actually the end of the Cold War, 1980, 79, 80, when, I think 80 was when the Berlin Wall fell, but right. it was Poland. And I think it was in Warsaw, Poland, but uh, Poland was one of the first countries to fall. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm going off memory here. So that, mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were sick of it. The Polish people were sick of the oppression and of the communism and the socialism. And the very thing that Biden wants to do to us was being done to them for decades on steroids. And they couldn't take it anymore. And they marched on their government. And they marched on the steps of their capital. And the account I heard, I'm not sure this was in the news, but I heard this from a pretty good source at the time. 20,000 people gathered on the steps of this government building demanding that the leadership um, release these restrictions they had on them. And they were revolting. They basically had enough. And the military was called in. It was this huge standoff. 20,000 people were dead the next day. But that lit a, 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 a match to an explosive in that country. And the next day, when the rest of the country heard what happened, Poland, all the people in Poland, all the people in the cities and the small towns and the countryside band together and they took their government back. They, the government could not stand against them. I pray that doesn't have to happen here, but the people will win when they decide they've had enough. And we are at a place in our country's history. It's black. Here, here it is. I'm a black and white guy. If Biden wins, we'll probably never have a Republican president again, at least for decades. Right. And if we ever do get a president, he's going to be a puppet from the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. That will be planted in there to make look like he's a Republican. Right. But the, the court's going to be packed with judges. So um, they're going to pass laws. They're going to restrict our freedom. They're going to um, restrict religious freedom. They're going to take our guns away. They're going to take everything away that makes us America. Right. Everything that we, uh, makes us America will be gone. And, I'm just telling you, Dave, and the folks out there, this won't take long. I'm not talking years. I'm talking less than a year all this is right. going to happen if Biden wins. Six months to a year. <coughs> oh, I agree. And Biden, mm-hmm. yeah. And Biden won't be in there very long. He actually had a Freudian slip the other day and said Kalama, uh, Kamala Harris was president. And, um, and so he knows he's just a puppet, and she's going to be – the president if if he does win and so 
we're used to going to our jobs and going to church. Well, not as much as we were. We've, we've been conditioned now for almost a year of not going to church as much as we should, wearing masks, um, right. taking a vaccine that probably is going to kill you eventually. Mm-hmm. So it's um, there's this is when we have to stand. And who has? And I, I would talk to anybody who's God fearing, who knows the Lord. This is a time to really stand. How do you stand? First of all, pray, pray that God keeps Trump in there. Pray, you know what? Pray. God starts saving people in this country, and we have a massive revival. Exactly. You, cha- you want to change the country, change the heart of the country. Mm-hmm. Save those people that are coming against us, those Antifa people, and that are doing all this. Save them. Yeah. And um, and so that's number one. Number two, um, voting in our elections, everyone has to vote. And number three, and I don't even want to say this, you might have to defend yourself for your freedom. Yeah. We may we may have to do that. Literally, um, I think if it starts that way, it'll start with riots and then it'll expand from there. Right. And the riots will go into the neighborhoods and then people will say they had enough. And um, I believe if it does go to a civil war and God doesn't come back, uh, I don't want to say I believe that good will prevail, that. The, the righteous will prevail because there's more righteous, there's more good people in America than there are bad. There's a lot of good people here, a lot of wonderful leaders and pastors and husbands and wives and families. And I believe they will prevail because there's more of us than them. Yeah. And we have a lot to lose and a lot to fight for. And that's why I know if it goes that way, in my heart, we're going to win. But I pray it doesn't go that way. That 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 God prevails and allows us more time uh, to keep America around longer, to bless Israel with, and to bless um, the world with with the gospel. The America has been very influential in getting the gospel out around the world, mm-hmm. and um, America is obviously an influential allow uh, using by used by God to, so Israel would become a nation in 1948. Yeah. He used our he used our president back then to do that. And um so there's a lot on the line and uh this uh, believers who stick their head in the sand are gonna drown in the sand. That's right. And believers who hold their head up high are gonna see God and see things and see God work one way or the other. And remember, uh, as a Christian, all things work together for the glory of God especially for those who love him. And, exactly. and, that's, and that's what I take uh, as we go into these days. God's in control. Um, he's, he's not in heaven all worried about the election. He's not all stressed out. I think it says in Psalms 3 that God, you know, laughs and mocks the rulers of the world that try to break the, his laws from, from him. You know, they, they mock God's laws and his commandments, but God laughs at them and mocks them and crushes them in his way. So um, it also says in Psalms that the nations are about a drop in the bucket and that God uh, measures the oceans in the palm of his hand. I mean, we have a big, there's, God's big and he's powerful and he's mighty, but he loves his people and he loves Israel. 
And uh, it's amazing, uh, a little side note, with, since Trump's been president, how peaceful the Middle East has been in the last six months to a year. I think it's the most peaceful I've seen it in my lifetime. That's right. And now Turkey is coming around and wanting to make peace with Israel. And the reason is, is Turkey's being left out because Egypt and the UAE and these different countries are coming on board with Israel and they're not all together now against Israel. And Turkey's like, oh, no, you know, we we want to be part of this. Do they love Israel? No. Do they want to destroy? Probably. But yeah. uh, but they're doing it because they economically and militarily they're being in uh, they're they're a loner i mean you have all these nations in the middle east now that want to have ties with israel and these are powerful nations egypt is a powerful nation and so their turkey's now coming on board so it's all setting up for the major peace plan with the antichrist and all that's happening with covid all that's happening in our country all that's happening in the world is all directed by god almighty Nothing is out of his control. I just pray that in his plan that America has some good years left in it and that um, that this election will be overturned because it was stolen. There's no doubt it right. was stolen. There's, uh, I heard there's over a thousand or two thousand affidavits by eyewitnesses. They have actual computers that they were using in Europe to switch the votes that the, yeah. the Navy SEALs went in there and got those computers and raided this place. Mm -hmm. So you just, um, all this going on and, and the church is just sitting by passively watching it happen. Right. Um, uh, we are more than conquerors and soon Satan will be crushed under our feet. I think that's Romans. Mm -hmm. And so we're living in unbelievable times. Uh, if you're a believer and you know, the Lord you're living in, unbelievable times. I, I believe when we get to heaven, they'll come up and just hypothetically, they'll come up to us. How was it living during those times? We knew we weren't there, but what was it like? And do we want to say, well, we watched a lot of Netflix and we were in our pods yeah. and um, we went to Starbucks and we went to uh, um, Ikea a couple of times. Well, what, what, what miracles did you see? Um, I got my $600 check from Nancy Pelosi. I mean, we're, we're believers. We're, we're going to rule and reign with God over this earth someday. Uh -huh. Probably sooner than I think. And so I guess I'm getting a little preachy here, but we are warriors. We're not just sheep. And God has given us all power and authority over all things, demonic and spiritual things, and if we're in his will, over physical. Right. And if you're listening to him in your heart um, and doing what he wants you to do, there's nothing you can't do for God if you're following him. And I think right now, for anybody who's listening to my voice and Dave, this is not a time to be afraid. This is a time to be excited. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. And this is a time to be a strong believer, a strong man, a man or woman in the Lord. Don't be afraid. Fear is not going to get us anywhere. No. It doesn't help. It, it, it's fear is not going to do anything. And I've been afraid before, folks. I'm Dave. I, oh, yeah. Anxiety and work. And am I going to keep my job? 
But you know what? Um, uh, this nation needs godly, strong believers and God-fearing people to stand up. And I guess there's going to be a huge rally in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday with the president speaking at the Washington Monument, I think. Right. Um, and so, is that right? So That's what I heard, yeah. I, I heard there's going to be close to a million or more people there. I'm not sure, but uh, it's going to be one of the largest crowds ever, I think, at the Monument. Mm-hmm. And we need to pray for our country. Um, this is a, a time when we really need to be praying and really being wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And as Dave said before, uh, you mentioned, I think I did too, we need to protect our families during this time. And I would, I've, I've got a little food saved up, you know, and uh, I've got certain things, emergency supplies here and there. I would encourage everybody to do that. Um, and it's good to have it anyway because of earthquakes and natural disasters. But you don't want to be caught having to go to the store uh, right after something major happens. You want to be in your home. And uh, I, I'm just shocked I even have to talk about this. That we're living in these times that I even have to speak about this. Exactly. But, um, it's just, but, but, but this is what we're living, folks. If you don't agree with me, that's fine. But turn on the news, and it confirms what I'm saying, how we are. Look at the riots of last uh, summer. Uh, and not just the riots, because I've seen riots before, the L.A. riots, and I think it was the 80s or 90s. But I mean the attitude of the people, the, the more the, the like, I don't care if I hurt you attitude. It's they have no no moral compass at all. That's right. And God says people like that are evil. And he said he will cut them off from the earth and cast them into darkness if they don't know the Lord. So I would say pray for these people that they get saved, but at the same time, they're dangerous, and we need to protect ourselves uh, from these lunatics. Like you said, and, be wise as serpent, but uh, yeah, gentle as doves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's just yeah, and um, I think um, I could be wrong, but I'm just gonna. I mean, I've talked about Trump winning before. I still think Trump's gonna win. Yeah. And let's just say he does. This is I could be wrong, folks. Just going to throw this out there. But if Trump wins. I think that will be the start of the Civil War. I believe. that and, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other side's going to go crazy. And, you know, that's true because you saw it. But I think it'll be on steroids um, if it happens. They'll go berserk. Yeah. And they're going to say he stole it. And they're not just going to riot. They're going to go after anybody who supported Trump. Yeah. Physically, actually, they're going to. And I'm not saying it's going to last forever, but there's going to be a few months where it's going to get crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, if, but if that's the price we have to pay to save our country, then so be it. That's right. Um, I, I, that's just our forefathers had to give their blood and their sweat for our country. Maybe it's we have to do the same thing to keep it. Yeah, so, that's right. But I and think you know, Trump's going to, and that's, that's probably going to happen before the 20th of November, uh, January, I think the riots could happen. You know, they the, the founding fathers didn't have a cakewalk either. A lot of them had their houses burned down. Some of them were hung. 
for treason against the king. Right. Uh, right. You know, <clears throat> it's not like they sat in the background directing this thing and and then uh, at the end of it took all the credit for it. <clears throat> Those that uh, a lot of them paid a price that uh, the ultimate price. But you know, I was while you were talking, Brian, I was looking up. Um, you know, we we hear all the time, well, we have to be like Jesus. You know, well, the same people that say that, you know, never exhibit Jesus to begin with, um, or very few of them do. And um, and the Jesus that I read about in Scripture, um, well, the Jesus I read about in Scripture, you know, did pre- preach peace, passivity, and stuff like that. But he also made a whip and and got all the money changers out of the temple. He also faced off against the, the Sanhedrin, or the, the Pharisees, and what did he call them? Um, blind guides, whitewashed tombs, and dens of vipers. Something that you don't normally do to uh, the clergy, you know? Um, and I was reading a scripture, and, and it's right after the one where he told Peter to put away his sword. Okay? And it's Matthew 26, verse 53, and it's right to 56. But um, he says, uh, and, and, and I'll explore where I'm going with this after I read it. He said, Thinkest thou I, I cannot pray to my father, and he shall pr- presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In the same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out against a thief with swords and staves for the, to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you laid not a hold of me. See, there's the divine providence here. But all of this was done that the scriptures and the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Well, yes, he had a mission to accomplish. He had to be the Lamb of God. You, me, and nobody else can be the Lamb of God. I'm sorry. As much as we want to be like Jesus, none of us is ever going to be the Lamb of God. That is reserved for one person. He did it, and it's over with, and he will forever be the Lamb of God. As a matter of fact, when John sees him in Revelations, he says, I saw one that was as a lamb that was slain. Okay? Imagine what he saw. You know, and, and we think that when 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 Yeshua or Jesus comes back that, you know, he's I personally, I think he's going to bear all the all the uh, mark markings that he had. Remember when he was walking on the road and they didn't recognize him um, and they were talking to him and they were like, oh, yeah, have you haven't you heard what's been going on in Jerusalem? And and it says all of a sudden their eyes are open. Well, I believe that they probably. He was probably wearing some kind of clothing where they couldn't see the nail marks in his arms and and the and the you know the marks of the crown of thorns and all the whipping and and the beard pulled out because he had parts of his beard pulled out, you know. And uh, so when he comes back, he's I think he's going to be a mess, <laughs> you know. He's 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 going to bear the marks forever of what he did for us, but. Um, <clears throat> We, uh, I looked it up, and, and a legion of angels is uh, anywhere from four to six thousand soldiers, and that's not just the whole legion, because the legion had, um, 
it had uh, you know it had helpers. So it said a legion could be up to ten thousand men. Okay, or helpers or whatever. I don't think there were any women involved, but um, so if that if you take twelve and multiply that times ten, that's a hundred and twenty. A hundred and twenty thousand angels could have come down to, to that help Jesus take things over. But what would that have done for you and me? You know, we'd still be living in our sin. There'd be no forgiveness for sin. Um, there'd be no fellowship with the Father, per se. Um, you know, everything would be thrown off kilter from what we know now. It had to be the way it had to be with him. But we can never, we can try to be like him when it comes to being passive and and things like that. But also we have to remember that, first of all, he could have called down all those legions. And I'm, I'm sure he probably thought about it once or twice. Um, I, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. And, I, you know, someday I'll get to ask him. Um, but, um, you know, he did make that, that cord up and drive uh, the whip up and drive those people out. And he was pretty mean to the, uh, to the <laughs> sarcastically mean. Uh, to the scribes and the Pharisees. So, um, you know, every what was that phrase that said if Jesus came back now, he would be criticized for being for not acting like Jesus. You know, um, if he lived today, he would be criticized for not not acting like Jesus. And um, so, that being in mind, I think that you know he, he we see him as. Uh, you know, as we've seen him in movies, not not necessarily like the um, the Passion, but you know, if you're older, you watch the King of Kings, and then they had Jesus of Nazareth, and he was always this almost like a guru, <clears throat> you know, that would that had a band of twelve men, and um, that's what he always reminded me of in those movies—a guru, uh, a Hindu guru, <laughs> but. <clears throat> no, he was much more than that. You know, he he didn't like to see the poor oppressed. It got he got him angry when the poor were oppressed. Um, when um, when uh, oh, I can't remember, but he was criticized for doing. Oh well, they tried to throw him off a cliff for for healing on the Sabbath. You know, but he he just walked away. You know, but um, the Jesus that. People would like to see because they've read certain parts of the of the Gospels and have ignored other parts of the Gospels is not necessarily the Jesus that walked the earth two thousand years ago. You know, he was he yes he was a peaceful person he was the Lamb of God, but at the same time, you know he he makes comments like I read. You know, I could I could call down 12 or 120,000 angels. You know, one angel slew, what, how many was it? Uh, 120,000 Assyrian soldiers that were camped outside of Jerusalem. One angel killed that many men in one night. <laughs> Imagine what would happen if 120,000 angels came down to help them take over the earth. And they will someday along with us uh, when we return with him. But, um, it's just, um, it's amazing the misconcepts and tr- what tradition is taught about, about uh, Yeshua or Jesus, you know, that uh, he was a certain way. 
Um, yes, he was he was God and he was man, a hundred percent of each. He he was uh, largely a pacifist. He he didn't uh, condone violence and things like that. But he wasn't he he was streetwise. Let's put it that way. You know, he he was bookwise because he wrote the book, <laughs> the whole Bible. Um, but he was streetwise too. He knew what it says several times in scripture. He knew what men's hearts were like. You know, and knowing what men's hearts are like, you have to really be on your guard as to what you say and do and when you say it and when you do it. Because people turn on you in in an instant. Uh, That's why scripture says don't cast your pearls before the swine because they'll stumble on the on the pearls and they'll turn and they'll ravage you. They'll they'll what it's akin to them basically attacking you and eating you, you know. Um, So we, you know. Well, it's nice to think that, you know, we're supposed to be pacifists and everything else, which in large, um, largely we should be. At the same time, we don't throw our families and our friends and our neighbors to the wolves because we don't. Well, you know, I'm just speaking personally, okay, when I say we. Um, and, and, and for others that are like me. Um, but it's, you know. We, we use common sense, which he gave us, to be able to determine what to do and when to do it. Yes, we're going to get it wrong sometimes because, you know, we're human and we get things wrong. But for the most part, if we know scripture, we know what what he commanded, what he likes and what he doesn't like, then we know what to do. You know, it's it's maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but um I think that, like you said, you know, not not a lot of people are going to church anymore. And maybe people should be scouring the scriptures. You know, I mean, just every night, just, you know, reading, 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 and, and, and getting to know the person, uh, aside from having a spiritual relationship with him, getting to know him through his word. Because his word, he is his word, and his word is him. He, you know, um, the world was made through him. The word um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and nothing that was made wasn't made was was made by him. You know, uh, it's it's just amazing that we see and how many of you out there? I'm just curious. Um, how many of you out there when you when you have maybe a visualization of Jesus in your head? He's, he kind of looks like maybe he's from northern Italy or or southern Germany, and he's got long, almost blondish hair and everything else, you know. And that that is what we have always been taught through artwork we've um, seen or maybe movies we've seen on TV. And uh, he always looks like, you know, he could he could have all the chicks, you know, if he wanted to, because he's always like... What was he Jeffrey Hunter was was in one time. Jeffrey Hunter was a very handsome man. Um, other, oh, I can't remember all the people that played Yeshua in the movies, you know. But Scripture says quite plainly that he is not somebody that people would have desired. In other words, he didn't look the part that we normally see him in movies and everything. He looked like a guy, just like a plain old guy, you know? And the attraction of him 
was that he had the Holy Spirit in him, on him, all over him. Um, and he, people saw that. People saw his actions. They saw his deeds. They saw what he did and, and uh, the way he loved people, you know. And, um, and that's what attracted him to him, not necessarily what he looked like, you know. So um, I always thought that, you know, that, when I when I watched the movie The King of Kings because that movie was pretty popular when I was you know a young man or young a boy I should say and uh, you know we thought oh wow you know Jeffrey Hunter had kind of blondish hair and or I mean Jesus had kind of blondish hair and um, you know and looked like he was um, some kind of Fabio from Southern Germany or something like that no far from that very far from that um, he was Middle Eastern looking. Um, very plain. That's why when I see the Shroud of Turin, I'm like, that's not Jesus. You know, I don't think it is. Um, he looks too Northern European, the face and everything, for for that to be Jesus. I I could be wrong. You know, I've been wrong before uh, many, many times. But, um, so we need to get, we need to start all over again. We need to get rid of the preconceived notions that we've seen through tradition, through artwork and paintings. And, uh, I mean, if you believe that, then you look at a picture of Dave, the statue of David, you think David ran around with no clothes on, for goodness sakes, you know. Or um, you see pictures of Adam and Eve, you know, and um, you can draw your conclusions from that. But um, anyway, you know, we need to erase everything that we thought about you know whether you not necessarily the way he looked but although you know you could add that into the equation but the way he acted you know and then and then draw conclusions from that you know and the only way you're going to find that out is if you read scripture um because the scripture scripture is quite clear about everything that yeshua said did thought uh, as as much as they could describe, because I think there's one, um, I think it says in John that if you were to write down all the miracles that he did, that um, all the world couldn't contain the volumes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome, actually, when you think about it. But um, <clears throat> anyway, so, you know, I, I call on people to, to get to know Yeshua or Jesus better, you know, especially in COVID. For goodness sakes, Put down the video games. Please put down the video games. They're not reality. Okay? Um, television, don't watch it so much. It's not reality. Even the reality shows aren't reality. That's that's, that's a mocking thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, uh, around here we watch a lot of, um, uh, what do you call it, like um, documentaries on uh, on YouTube. You know, because um, we want to know facts. We don't want to know fiction. This world is full of fiction. It gives you fiction from the minute you wake up, fiction and drama, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep, you know. And um, fiction is something that's not real, and drama is something it's a, that is brought on by human emotions um, that we really don't need to have. And... Um, so I, I would just call on people to get into their word. Um, if you don't like reading, you can buy 
copies of the Bible. You can even get them for free online now where you can listen to it. You know, put it on a, um, a thumb drive and put it in your car while you're driving to work. Boy, you want a better day at work? Do that. I'll tell you. It's incredible. Pray on your way to work. I got an hour commute. A lot of times I'll sit there when I'm not talking with my mom because I do that a lot. It's one of the habits we've gotten into. But if she's got to leave early or she's not going to be available, I I just start praying for the day, for people. And believe me, if you if you pray a lot, there's not enough time. If you pray 24 hours every day, there's not enough time to pray for everything and everybody that the Lord will bring to your mind. <clears throat> so um, I don't know. I think we need to to get rid of the technology as much as possible. I mean, use it for for godly purposes. Use um, things like uh, YouTube or whatever uh, to look up things, godly things, if you can still find them on YouTube. I don't know anymore, but... Um, well, the radio show's on YouTube, so maybe that'll count. But, um, but um, you know, we, we have this thing called the Internet. And if you're going to use technology, use it for his glory. Um, use it to do research into, into things and to, to uh, find out more reasons to believe why you believe. Um, apologetics. You can find it all over the place on, on, online. But um, I, I would also add that you should pray before you do all that stuff because it's um, you could be led to the wrong areas if you don't. But um, anyway, oh, my goodness. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> um, anyway, we um, Brian, we had a we have a, the ladies are here tonight. Uh, hello, Winsong. Hello, Lady Kim. And. Um, and uh, Kimberly says, um, and I said your name, and I said I would never say it, but there's a lot of Kimberleys out there, so don't worry. Um, she said, uh-huh. I'm f- in fourth grade, my I told my mom I would have been a loyalist, I guess, during the Revolutionary War, and I've never changed my mind on that. And I think she was talking about um, the uh, being a loyalist for the kingdom of God, because up above she kind of mentioned something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, she said she uh, doesn't subscribe to neither side. Uh, my kingdom, though, uh, I belong to Jesus's kingdom. So, yeah. and that's that's another good way to look at it too. Uh, when yeah. you're fighting for your brothers and sisters, you're actually fighting for your kingdom, his his kingdom. So, um, anyway, I'm all talked out, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Can you well, believe we, it? Yeah, no, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's been a good discussion. I I uh, hope hope the audience has got some good out of it. Um, uh, it's just um, you know where God puts us in situations sometimes, and we can't but deal with we have to deal with it and i think that's kind of what's happening in america god's allowing us to be put in these situations with the lockdowns and politics and 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 uh, i don't like it <laughs> i want everything to be like a bed of roses and and everything to be back to normal but i'm not sure if it's going to go back to normal 100 percent. you know yeah uh, the way it was so who knows uh, unless you move to Idaho or Utah, maybe, you know, uh, different <laughs> states seem to be a little better. 
yeah, here in true. the Southern Republic of California, um, it's, um, it's, we're surging down here. Hospitals are completely full. Um, I called one hospital just to see, and there's a six to eight hour wait in the emergency room. Wow. And I asked, so is it, I go, I asked the intake nurse, um, are these COVID patients? She goes, yeah. That's all she said was yes. I said, you have a lot of COVID patients. She said, yes. Yeah. So, but um, I don't know how they would know what the COVID patients are sitting in the emergency room. They haven't been tested yet. Yeah, right. So, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, there's, there's the COVID, there's the politics, there's the riots, there's the moral depravity of man. And it's kind of all converging at the same time. And I don't think it's an accident. Um, I obviously, I, you know, I, what I said earlier, it's, it's God is orchestrating all these movements, but it is a uh, could be a definitely a fearful time to live, but an exciting time. And uh, we need to pray for our president. And uh, and on um, Wednesday, um, you and I talked before the show, Dave, about um, what's going to happen. I think it's the Twelfth Amendment might be implemented. Um, right. And people don't, you know, what, you know, um, I think what's going to happen first is, um, what I heard today is the delegates from each state will be counted. And then anybody from the, um, um Senate or Congress, uh, or some, uh, will be able to voice an opinion. And if they contest those delegates, then both chambers of the house have to go to their separate chambers for a two-hour debate and come back and vote on that state, whether right. they're going to allow those delegates or not. And I'm saying this because we, we talked about it. I'm saying this for the audience right. and, um, and the listeners. And so they can literally do that with all 50 states, and that would take over 100, 110 hours of debate, which would go into days, uh, not just Wednesday. And then if that – doesn't um, change anything uh, constitution. This is all constitutional, by the way, folks. This has happened before, I think, in 1969, 2005, I think 1776 or, or just after maybe 1780. No, 18, um, 1800, under, 1804, I think, or the two years. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. Thanks, Dave. That's yeah. better. Yeah. I want to be I want to be accurate about that. And so it's happened before. You'll hear on the television that it's unconstitutional trump's being a tyrant he's he's doing this he's doing that no he's actually doing everything that's legal and constitutional he feels like he didn't get a fair fight he feels like he's been cheated and he has every right as the president of our country to do this and matter of fact the democrats have done it before i think the last time they contested something like this was in 2005 i'm not sure if it was a presidential race it might have been a senate race so this has been done before. This is nothing new. But if all that happens and nothing changes, Mike Pence being the leader of the House and the vice president can actually call for a contested election. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. No, you're right. And have it go back, go back to the states, to the state houses to be recounted and recertified. That could actually happen. And there's rumors that um, – Pence might do that. He actually can do that. He can say, okay, 
there's too much evidence. There's it's just too too much um, inconsistencies in the in the fraud and the voting. I want every state to go back, do a recount, and but this time the recount will be um, uh, monitored in these states. And so there's a lot on the line. I, I never thought I, I thought 2016 was a big election. That's nothing. Trump winning compared to what's happening now. Oh, yeah. Because then, see, in the past growing up, you knew the Democrats, a lot of them are liberals, some are moderates, right? Some, and you know, some Republicans are liberals and moderates. So there's a, there's a line there. But for the most part, you thought the Democrats, like my mom is a Democrat, my, my dad, my grandparents, and they were like a John Kennedy Democrats. You know, they were for the country, they didn't believe in a lot of the stuff that uh, the Republicans did at the time, but they loved their country and, and they, they didn't want high taxes. They didn't want endless wars. They didn't want um, open borders. Uh, I remember them talking about it when I was a teenager. And, uh, but now we really know what the modern day Democrat party wants and they've been playing and, and right in our face with it. And they're not holding back. And what they say that they're going to do, they will do it. If you want to know what the Democrat Party is, listen to YouTube AOC and listen to her speak or Bernie Sanders. Um, uh, Biden is Biden is actually a moderate compared to them. He's just a puppet for them. And uh, he's actually an an old school Democrat that's kind of basically just going along, along with the crowd because he wants to be in power and be famous and be rich. But they want open borders. They want to raise if you're out there. They want to raise our taxes by trillions, not billions, trillions of dollars. Uh, that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month more out of your check, not $50. And they want to do all this stuff. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. Um, they want to take the First Amendment away. They want to take the Second Amendment away. They want to, I, I don't know if you know this, but with that uh, stimulus package they just passed, they passed a law in there that the big tech companies can't be sued. Right, right. They put the law in there. So, well, that's, that's what, all uh, I have to say. I think the Senate, I think, what's the Mitch McConnell is uh, proposing um, rewriting that and getting rid of that one section of it right there. Um because there's some other pork in there that uh, is ridiculous. You know, was it uh, giving uh, several hundred million dollars to Pakistan for uh, uh, gender um, equality or something like that? And I'm all for gender equality, but let's start it here first before we start giving money to other people. And um, money was going to go to a lot of uh, a lot of countries that don't like us. <laughs> Uh, we're going to receive a lot of money, and um, here we have uh, stores that are closing down. Mom and pop shops are are closing down almost daily because uh, the yeah. big stores can stay open for some reason. Hey, you hey know. Dave, yeah, I have to get off. I'll oh, tell you later. Okay. But I got to get off. Okay, bye. Okay, sorry, folks. I have to. Go. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Talk to you later, Brian. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, folks, we're at we're at five minutes till we were, we were going to shut the show down anyway. Um, Brian, it says he's got to get off, and there's a reason why, and a good reason. So, um, 
we we send them away with uh, lots of blessings and uh, prayers that everything is okay. But um, folks, it's been an exciting show. It's um, I thought it would you know we even thought this might go into a two a two nighter. Um, and maybe uh, during the week uh, things will progress um, in in the news to where we'll have to make another night out of it. But uh, it doesn't look like it right now. But um, anyway, you know, if you would uh, kindly keep opposing the matrix in prayer, um, nothing serious or anything like that. But, um, you know, we're, we're starting to grow in numbers and uh, we're starting to um, reach out and get a bigger audience. And um, Sometimes when that happens, you want to be able, be more available uh, to do more shows. And uh, the way that uh, both of our schedules run, both Brian's and mine, um, you know, we, we work long shifts when we work. And um, I'm going back to school here, not this coming week, but the week after. And um, so it's, you know, it's going to only afford me to, to do one show a week. And, I'd, man, I'd like to do a show every night, as a matter of fact. That would be so awesome. So um, barring us uh, hitting the lottery or, or um, you know, coming into a large uh, sum of blessing, um, uh, you know, we're going to have to stick with the one night a week. But, um, you know, just, just keep us in prayer that uh, maybe we somehow would be able to uh, to, to do more. Because there's always something to talk about. There's always something to uh, um, to bring up. Always, you know, especially with the way the world is today. There's it seems like every day something new is happening, and it's something that you could do a two-hour show on. You know, <laughs> it really is. So, um, you know, we and I'd love nothing more than to just make this my my regular job. This would be an awesome regular job. <laughs> Um, not many people get, get to do the, the kind of job they want to do their whole lives. You know, um, I'd say maybe one out of a, one out of a thousand people actually enjoys a hundred percent what they're doing. Um, so, you know, a lot of you can sympathize. Um, a lot of us just go to work to make the bills and everything else. And, um, but, um, to be able to do this would be, would be awesome. And, uh, Believe me, I've I've got plans, boy. I I've, I've got plans to build a a nice studio and and everything else, and have somebody come in and fix up this mess so that it works right. And because uh, uh, I don't know, we um, we lost the, my both my wife and I have earphones uh, with the microphone attached, and they're they're not cheap. And um, you know, one one pair we lost to a dog that decided they wanted to chew on the cables. And, uh, yeah, they chewed on the upper part and the lower part, making the the the, um, the earphones and the microphone basically worthless. And that went right into garbage. But um, another pair we thought went bad and uh, gave them to our grandkids. And believe me, grandkids are incredible. They can make anything work electronically if it's broken. So... Uh, they got it to work, so you know we just left it over there. And I've got another pair coming in the in the mail here uh, this Thursday. So uh, next Monday I'll be doing it with a new pair. But um, anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so we've we've got some plans to to really spruce things up and 
and um, and I will have the opportunity to not just do this on the internet, but maybe um, have a, a little local radio station or something. Who knows? So um, anyway, um, hopefully my my thoughts and dreams are God's uh, in, in God's plans for uh, what He has for us. But and, and in the meantime, you know, we have what we have, and so um, if we're not on you know, seven days a week or five days a week, you know, please uh, remember Monday nights and um, and the show is always available for downloads. Um, if you go to delusionresistance.org and you go to the top and it says Opposing the Matrix Archives, you can listen to every show that we've ever done from 2010 to this show tonight. Um and we have a Dropbox account, which reminds me, I got to pay them for that. But um, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, we have that. And um, so far, uh, Spreaker has kept every show we've done since we started with Spreaker. Um, we're probably about two thirds of the way to our cap. And then they just start erasing older shows and replacing it with newer shows. But um, anyway, uh, so. If uh, if the good Lord intends on it, we will definitely be uh, putting more effort into making this uh, more of a maybe five day a week radio show rather than one day a week. But um, anyway, I just want to thank you. You guys are always a, have always been a wonderful audience. Um, I can't think of any time that we've had any problems with anybody. Um, a wind song. I, I you say you know that uh, you there's you know some people are going to D.C. on Wednesday, and uh, maybe we ought to offer up a little prayer tonight um, for supplication for our country and for these people that are going. So, Father, we pray right now in the name of Yeshua Hamashiach, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that um, that you would have a large gathering that goes to Washington D.C. We pray that you quash all the the uh, things that that mayor wants to do down there by closing hotels and closing byways and highways so that people can't get in. We pray that everything that she does fails and uh, that that uh, your plans will be accomplished and her plans would be nullified. Um, we pray that you keep the people warm, that they'd have a place to sleep, they'd have food to eat, and um, that uh, it would just be a blessed thing for our nation. Um an encouraging thing for our nation, because if we need anything, we need some kind of encouragement, Lord, these days. And um, for our audience, we just pray that you you just give them everything that they need, Father. Uh, wants will come later, but needs are the, the most important thing. Um, we just uh, thank you for our audience. We thank you that you uh, have given us uh, a boatload of uh, loving and caring people. Um, I know that in the past, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you know, we had some upstarts that tried to to, to start things and, and to make things difficult, but uh, that has ceased to be, and we thank you for that. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, somehow uh, be able to uh, help us to increase our efforts to get the word out to more people, to have more radio shows, to uh, to have an actual studio instead of an office bedroom. Um, and that, um, it would just be incredible, Lord. We pray that you would uh, finance that for us, Lord. Um, 
Lord, we pray for our country because, you know, we, we in all honesty, Lord, this, this nation has not been what you've called it to be. We've, we're a, a very proud and for the most part selfish people. And, um, we, we've grown sassy in that we, we demand things and we expect things of you thinking, treating you more like a genie or a, um, you know, or demanding things from you that we don't necessarily deserve. So we would pray that you would just uh, forgive our nation, that you would forgive our selfishness, that you would forgive this, this American people that have turned their backs on you and that you would turn hearts back toward you and that you would um, create revivals in our land and revivals that last, Father, revivals that come from you and revivals that truly change people's hearts and um, that there would be no false um, revival here, but it would be an honest and true uh, revival that would just sweep our nation and then move on from our nation, north, south, east, and west, all around the world, Father. And we pray that the end-time revival would start in our country, Father, not somewhere else, but would start here and move all the way around the world, Father, all four hemispheres, Father, north, south, east, and west, and um, that there would be nobody, and I mean nobody on earth, that would not have heard your message. Lord, we thank you for being patient with us, for not destroying our nation. You could have many times, and you'd have every right to do it. But you've had mercy and grace and love, and you, you have a love for us, Father. And it, like Brian said, it's probably because we've been before Israel for all these years, and uh, we're a nation, and the, the blessed Israel, and we're also a storehouse for the, the house of Ephraim, uh, the family of Ephraim. And um, we pray that when it comes time to go back to the land, that you would bring us back to the land. Um, Lord, we just uh, we thank you for all your bountiful blessings, and we thank you for your mercy and your grace, and we count on your mercy and your grace daily, Lord. Um so please hear our prayers, hear our supplications, um, change our hearts, change our ways, and hear our, hear our prayers in heaven and heal our land, Father, like you promised to do in Scripture. And we pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Okay, folks, we've gone to two hours and six minutes. I'm going to go ahead and end the show. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next Monday, if not sooner. And, uh, well, just be blessed and uh, know that uh, God is for you and not against you, as long as you're for him and not against him. So, um, special blessings on uh, Winsong and on, on Kimberly for their faithfulness and their love. And, uh, Lord, we just uh, hand it all over to you. So take over things in Washington and take over things all over this country and and clean up this mess, Father. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Good night, folks. Have a great week. Bye.